That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oreo Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. We've still got playoff baseball here at Camden today, but Bones, I think the energy today feels a little bit different than it felt yesterday. Yesterday was full of excitement and a lot of promise for this series. Not to say that that promise is gone. It is one game of the series down, but game two has turned very quickly. Ben McDonald said it on the O's Extra Post Game Show last night. Said game two feels like a must win. I think the energy today probably going to be a little more of a sense of urgency than we saw yesterday, even though it's just game two of this series. The guys are going to be locked in today. I think we can absolutely guarantee that. Not saying they weren't yesterday, but I think there's going to be no fun and games uh, going into today's game. It's going to be all business for this team because Ben McDonald is right. Today is a must win. You really can't go into Texas down 0-2. Nope. Uh, so Baltimore's got to go out guns blazing today. Especially not in a five-game series. This is not the CS or World Correct. Series where you have seven games in game one. If you drop it, okay, you've got some more home games. This is game two of a five-game series. Mm -hmm. And coming back from an 0-2 hole is a very hard thing to do in a five-game series. So the Orioles kind of in a must-win today. But let's talk about how we got here with yesterday's game. The Orioles fall 3-2 to two in game one of the ALDS against the Texas Rangers. Let's start with the pitching. The pitching did their job yesterday. Kyle Bradish goes four and two-thirds innings, does give up seven hits, two earned, strikes out nine, walks one. I thought it was overall a pretty good outing from Kyle Bradish. Obviously, the strikeout numbers were outstanding. First three innings of this game, he was absolutely rolling. It looked like Kyle Bradish Dealing. could give you six or seven innings of really excellent baseball the fourth inning, things come off the tracks a little bit. How would you evaluate Kyle Bradish's outing? I mean, I think you put it pretty plainly and correct. I mean, he was dealing up until he wasn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's just how the, how it rolled for him. Uh, he came out first three innings, and he was immaculate. I mean, struck out every other batter, it seemed. Yeah. Um, but Had five strikeouts inning. through the first two innings. I yeah. Think. You hit that fourth inning. A uh, couple doubles, a single, two-run score. The next inning, he's pitching pretty well. Uh, lets a guy on, strikes out a couple. Danny Coulomb comes in, cleans it up. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a bad outing by any means, but in a playoff game, when your starter gives up two runs early on, you really can't take any chances, so I can't blame Brandon Hyde. Uh, though I will say it did go against one of my keys uh, from – for the series and the game, which was preserve the bullpen. They used six guys. Yeah, Brandon. It, it's like he didn't even listen to the Bird's Nest <laughs> pregame yesterday. Yeah, man. It's like I it mean, wasn't a part of his pregame routine. <laughs> I don't think it should be. Weird. No, it definitely shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that fourth inning for Bradish. Starts the inning with a strikeout. Then it goes double to Garcia, double to Carter, single to Heim, single to Lowe, a flyout, single to Tavares, and then he gets the huge strikeout at the end of the fourth inning yep. with the bases loaded, which was great. It was nice to see Kyle Bradish work out of a jam. But as you mentioned, if you're Brandon Hyde, you are seeing your starting pitcher struggle in the fourth inning of a game that is 
very close. At that point, your offense really hadn't done much at all. And then the fifth inning, you give up the single to Seager and then two strikeouts, and Evan Carter comes to the plate. We can talk plenty about Brandon Hyde. We are going to on this show. There was a lot of complaints yesterday from Orioles fans, a lot of questions about the moves that Brandon Hyde was making in this game. I can't disagree at all with pulling Kyle Bradish after four and two-thirds innings, given the situation. I understand that in an ideal world, your ace is on the mound in game one of the ALDS. You don't want to have to use the amount of bullpen arms that you ultimately ended up using in this game. But it's the fifth inning with Corey Seager on, and Evan Carter comes to the plate. And Evan Carter, for this entire playoffs, has been on another His planet. entire career thus far. I, I suppose so, yeah. about a month His long. regular season career was also excellent. In Carter's previous two at-bats in this game against Kyle Bradish, he had a walk and a double. Yeah. I'm not leaving Kyle Bradish in at that point to face it Evan Carter. It would certainly be a gamble to do so. Right. Um, so... I think it's difficult to blame him in that case. And again, like I said, you're in the playoffs, okay? You know, the every game matters so much more uh, than the regular season does, which is obvious, but it's true. And when you're in those situations, you have to make decisions uh, that are going to put you in the best situation to win. And a lot of the times, leaving your starter in doesn't necessarily lead to that. Uh, so bringing in a guy like Danny Coulomb, who has seen plenty of success this year, I don't think it was a terrible decision at all. No, and Kyle Bradish at that point was at 84 pitches. It was a 2-1 to one ball game. And again, Evan Carter has been unbelievable. Evan Carter could have knocked that game open. Danny Coulomb, I know he ultimately ends up walking Evan Carter in that bat, gets out of the inning. But Danny Coulomb, when facing left-handed hitters this year, those hitters had a 586 OPS off of the left-handed Coulomb. And again, Evan Carter had gotten on base twice against Kyle Bradish earlier on in the game, you don't want to have that game burst open Yeah, if you're Brandon Hyde. So I understand pulling Kyle Bradish a little bit early and playing the matchups because this is what I'm going to have kind of this bigger point later when we talk about some of the hitting substitutions that Brandon Hyde made later on in the game. But this is what won you 101 games, mm -hmm. is having the depth to go to your bullpen early if you needed to, being able to make early substitutions in the field if that's what the game called for. So I completely understand the process here of saying lefties have a 586 OPS this season against Danny Coulomb. Evan Carter has been unbelievable in this playoffs so far. I understand bringing in Coulomb against Carter. Yeah, no, I mean, I see it too. I absolutely do. And then in the sixth inning, you bring in Jacob Webb to face Josh Young. Okay, let me just say this. Obviously, people are saying, you know, I, I, I wish they hadn't brought in Jacob Webb. If he hadn't given up that home run, you wouldn't be saying that. And it was it, a good pitch. Right. It was a he really was good, a good pitch, pitch. And he just put a crazy good swing on it. Um, so... Jacob Webb, I mean, he pitched really well other than that one pitch, and it was a good pitch. Yeah. Uh, and the bullpen as a whole was really good in the entire game. So, obviously, like hindsight says, maybe Jacob Webb wasn't the move there, but he pitched really well, and he gave up one hit 
The bullpen gave up one hit in that game, and that yeah. was it. Johnny on YouTube commenting, didn't think the web fastball was a bad location. Young just put a good swing on it. Absolutely. I mean, totally that correct. is a fastball on the inner third of the plate that Josh Young takes to the opposite field. It is insanely for a difficult home run. to do that. Incredibly difficult to do that. And again, I'm going to talk a lot on this show about the process and understanding the process of Brandon Hyde's decision-making there. You take out Danny Coulomb to face Josh Young because Josh Young had a 995 OPS on the season against left-handed pitchers. So you don't want Danny Coulomb in that situation. And Josh Young had a 17, 718, excuse me, OPS against righties on the season. And Jacob Webb against right-handed hitters, 608 OPS against. Yeah. That process makes complete sense to me. I understand the result was that Josh Young hit a home run to make it a, a three-to-one game, I think, at that point. I understand, like you said, hindsight, sure. Maybe Jacob Webb makes a different pitch in a different spot, but it was ultimately a good pitch in a good spot that Josh Young put a great swing on, and I understand the process completely of putting Jacob Young, uh, excuse me, Jacob Webb in that game, in that situation. Jacob Webb's getting the flack from a lot of people, but really, he was in a 2-2 ball game. He gave up a home run. Obviously, that's tough, but there was really no run support for him. He didn't have a lot of run support. The offense had a really difficult time finding ways to beat Andrew Heaney in that game. So I'm not saying blame the offense, but I'm saying don't throw it all on Jacob Webb. Yeah. Another comment on YouTube saying that sometimes that's just baseball. Sometimes that's just baseball. It's true. Good process, bad result there. The rest of the way, D.L. Hall looked outstanding, by the way. Dayton Lane, that's my guy. Dayton Lane. He was awesome in that game yesterday. He I would was. not be surprised if we see D.L. Hall in some high leverage situations. One and two thirds down the Ks. stretch. Heck yeah. Awesome stuff from D.L. Hall. Hall, Webb, and Perez don't give up a run the rest of the game outside of that solo homer from Josh Young. The pitching did their job. I think Brandon Hyde made the right moves in the right situation. At the end of the day, if you hold the Texas Rangers, who are arguably the best offensive team in the American League, if you hold the Texas Rangers to three runs, you should win that baseball game. Yeah, Because I, I think if you tell any Orioles fan, if you told Brandon Hyde, if you told whoever that you would hold the Rangers to three runs in game one of the ALDS... Seven, eight times out of ten, you probably think that you win that game. I said yesterday, the Orioles, are, the Rangers don't win a close game. Yeah. And they did. They usually they don't. They me wrong. But the pitching very much held up their end of the bargain. Let's talk about the Orioles' offense yesterday. You have Andrew Heaney, who starts the game. A bit of a surprise start. You and I both thought that maybe Dane Dunning would start that game. Bruce Bochy allowances pretty late that it would be Andrew Heaney. Heaney goes three and two-thirds innings, two hits, one earned. Dane Dunning comes in, piggybacks off of him. Two innings, two hits, one earned. That's not, that's not great results against two starting pitchers. Uh, Dunning obviously didn't start the game, but was a starting pitcher for most yeah. of the year. That's not great results against two hittable pitchers. Yeah, back hittable in terms guys. of Hittable in terms of where they are in relation to the rest of the Rangers pitching staff which is Jordan Montgomery, who you're facing today, and Nathan Avaldi, who you will most likely face in Game 3. Andrew Heaney and Dane Dunning present a pretty good opportunity to score some runs compared to those two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it is tough. It's really tough. 
Mountcastle with that RBI double. Tony Taters hits a homer, but other than that, it was it, there really wasn't much to go off of. They had a couple opportunities here and there to knock a couple runs in where some double plays hurt them, uh, but overall it was a tough day for the offense. And like you said, when you have a tough day against the back end of the rotation, guys, two guys, both Heaney and Dunning, who split time with the rotation and the bullpen, just to put it into context that they're hittable guys with ERAs that aren't so, so low that you're that are mind-boggling or anything. Yeah, Dane Dunning, I think around 370. a 370 for the and year. Heaney Andrew Heaney. Right. So those are hittable guys. Yep. And uh, Heaney especially, a guy who's just... His whip is relatively high, above a 1-3. You know, there should have been more from the offense in that game. But I had a dream last night. Whoa, I did. And it was that I slept through the game today. And you go, yeah, they won 18-zip. Whoa. So uh, all I'm saying is I'm clairvoyant. Good omen. Yeah, Good omen there from Bones. Outside of Andrew Heaney and Dane Dunning, I think the biggest surprise for me of the game yesterday was that you don't get a run off the Rangers' bullpen. We talked about the Rangers' bullpen yesterday saying, this is the glaring hole on the team. Their bullpen has been one of the worst bullpens in all of baseball since the All-Star break. It's not a good unit. To be fair, the first bullpen arm they brought out was Dane Dunning. Yes. So it wasn't like they had this opportunity. bullpen arm. Exactly. So it wasn't like they had an opportunity to chip away at the bullpen for however many innings. So that will be different today, which is why it would be so important to get runs early in this game, but we'll get to that. Um, But just saying, it wasn't like they had four bullpen arms that came out and they faced them all. It was Dunning to Chapman to LeClaire. Or, well, Sabor's played as well. Sabor's, yeah. But even outside of Dunning, you still get three and a third of the Rangers' bullpen after Dunning, and the Orioles just had one hit. You did walk three times. It felt like the Orioles were knocking on the door inning after inning against this bullpen, and then nothing happened. You got on base with the walks, but one hit against this Rangers bullpen unit that, again, has been one of the worst in baseball since the All-Star break. It's it's not rocket science analysis here to say you can't do that against this Rangers bullpen. It's tough, but it's also one game. Yes. Um, And... I don't think necessarily that that's going to be the case for every game this series. Um, you know, they'll regress to the mean. The Orioles' offense will show that they're better than they played yesterday, and the Rangers' bullpen will probably show that they're worse than they played yesterday. So that yep. bodes well. And the Orioles' good players will bounce back. Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson go combined one for seven with a walk and three strikeouts. Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins go a combined 0 for six with a walk and a strikeout. Those are guys that we expect to hit. These are the leaders in this lineup. I expect them to hit moving forward. Let's kind of go inning by inning here again to some of the bigger moments and some of the bigger Brandon Hyde decisions. Again, because we saw a lot of criticism of Brandon Hyde's moves, which is kind of crazy considering he led this team to 101 victories in the regular season. But it's the playoffs. Those situations mean a lot more in these games, obviously. First big move is in the fourth inning. You have Adam Frazier who pinch hits for Jordan Westberg with Dane Dunning entering the game, who had just replaced Andrew Heaney. Again, you're going for the matchup. Frazier with a 709 OPS against righties this year. Westberg with a 676. Understand that process there. We have seen, you know, even in the starting lineups, day in, day out. Right-hander on the mound, it's probably Adam Frazier starting at second base. Left-hander on the mound, 
It's probably Jordan Westbrook starting at second base. We'll probably see that again today. An early switch, obviously, after Jordan Westbrook only gets one at bat Question in that for game. You about yeah. that. You're the manager. Westbrook, I am? Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, Westbrook almost homered in his first at bat. Yeah, loud out in his first AB. Do you still take him out? Would you have made that same decision? That one's tough because, again, I test says that in his first at bat, Jordan Westberg. He was on it. Had a screamer. Yeah. To center field. It was a loud out. I think it was a warning the track. The defense is, is negligible between Frazier and Westberg as well. Outs it's, above average for Westberg, better this year than they were for Frazier. Frazier had a down year defensively, but has been a good defender in his career. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm just saying right. it doesn't matter. I still make that move, I think. Because in that spot, I think you just trust Adam Frazier. Again, it's a hindsight thing, right? In hindsight, Adam Frazier doesn't come through in that spot in the fourth inning, goes 0 for 3 in the game. Hindsight says, Jordan Westberg had a nice first at-bat, maybe you keep him in. But if in the fourth inning, Jordan Westberg is out instead of Adam Frazier and the result is the same, I think a lot of people are going... Well, why wasn't Adam Frazier pinch hitting there? He's a lefty going against a right-handed pitcher. You always make that platoon switch. I understand the process, and so I'm separating the result there a little bit. But I do understand Jordan Westberg loud out in his first AP. I'm sure that had at least some consideration there for Brandon Hyde, but this is what won you 101 games. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm not keep saying I wouldn't have made the switch, but yeah. that's definitely something that would have been playing on my mind, thinking, because that going into that at-bat and ahead of that decision, I was thinking, Westberg did almost homer in his last at-bat. Obviously, yeah. the numbers say play Frazier here, but it was tough, and I'm sure it was tough for Brandon as well. Eventually, he did make uh, the Frazier decision, and I don't didn't not work out. We don't know what Westberg would have done, uh, but... Is what it was. Another big moment in the seventh inning. Spores walks Hicks to start that inning on four pitches. Throws three balls to Adam Frazier. Throws seven consecutive balls to start the inning. You think the Orioles are in business there a little bit. That count works back to 3-2. Frazier pops up. Mullen strikes out. O'Hearn pinch hits and looks at a fastball that he must have just been looking at something else. Because it was a, a pitch kind of down the plate there. He had to have been sitting there. on an off-speed pitch because yeah. if you watched it in slow motion, the replay, he his load was incredibly late. Yeah. So he must have been sitting on a slider that was going to try and buckle him at the knees or something that he was going to try and pull or, or whatever. Um, he didn't think it was going to be a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, down the pipe. Right. So is what it is. That's baseball. That's baseball. O'Hearn goes down there in that situation. Eighth inning again for the offense. Kind of looks like they're cooking again. Chapman this time can't find the zone. Hayes walks. Adley walks. And then you have Anthony Santander, who was your best hitter yesterday. Had the solo home run to keep the Orioles in the game. Josh Young makes a really nice play he did. on that double play. He really did. Excellent play. A tough hop down to third base. Anthony Santander grounds into a double play. The Orioles, this was just kind of the situation of the day. I mean, the Orioles were... Not hitting the ball super well, but they were taking their walks. They were getting on base. And they just weren't able to string things together from top to bottom in this lineup. Anthony Santander had been excellent all day. Grounds into a double play. And you get out of that inning if you're the Rangers with Aroldis Chapman not having good command of the zone. 
All I'm saying is Austin Hayes could have been an Oriole legend for life if he stole home on Chapman there. That guy's wind-up, motion, whatever, was so long. I think my granny could have stole home. Yeah. I mean, that was... I, I wish he tried it. And you had the runner on third in Austin Hayes. And Ryan Mountcastle strikes out against the left-handed pitcher. He had the second-best batting average in the majors against lefties this year. It just couldn't come up with the hit and the opportunity there. Ninth inning, start with a hit from Gunnar Henderson. And then you have uh, Brandon Hyde said after the game that it was a miscommunication, which is just a, a brutal way to end that game there where it looked like it was supposed to be a hit and run with Aaron Hicks at the plate. Gunnar Henderson ran. Aaron Hicks didn't swing. And Gunnar Henderson gets thrown out by Jonah Heim, who has a cannon of an arm behind home plate. I mean, that was just deflating. It was. It was really tough. Um, <laughs> I was in full, like, I really wanted the Orioles to win that game, of course. So I was sitting next to you when that happened. I was like, no way! No way! Yeah. He was out by Because a at the time, you're going, <laughs> why the send? But after the game, you learn it was supposed to be a hit and run. A, a, a tough miscommunication. There. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you could do at this point. Um, so... Got to learn from those. What I will say is it caught, caught me off guard a little bit just because there's not been anything like that all year. Yeah. You know? So it, it's weird that the first time you make a mistake like that is in the biggest game of the season. Um, but, again, it is what it is. What can you do? Biggest game of the season so far. Yeah, because now it's now the biggest game of the season. In general, from game one, my takeaways, I do think there are a lot of positives. You had excellent pitching. The Rangers have a scary lineup, and the Orioles' pitching staff made them look not so scary. Yeah. And that's an excellent takeaway from game one. And you get the postseason jitters out. You've got a lot of players who this was their first taste of playoff experience. And now you got game one out of the way. You know what you've got to do in game two. You understand what the crowd is going to be. The players were saying post-game, you know, this was the best post Best crowd they had ever been a part of. This was, you know, the craziest Camden Yards had ever sounded. Camden Yards was ready to explode yesterday. You had guys trotting out for warm-ups, and this place was going nuts. It was awesome. We know the kind of atmosphere that will be here today as well. The Orioles know that, too. I, I think there are a lot of positives to take away from Game 1 with limiting that lineup. Orioles just need to string some hits together. They've done it all year. I'm confident that they can do it in Game 2. Let's talk about the pitching matchup for today. You've got Grayson Rodriguez on the mound for the Orioles, and I think this is the perfect guy to be on the mound for a must-win game two of this series. He has been lights out in the second half of the season, and you would just absolutely love a repeat performance of what he did against the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, struggled in his first stint in the majors, went down to the minors, came back in July, and he has been an ace yep. since then. A two five ERA or two five eight ERA in that time. The guy has been pretty much unhittable. Around seventy three or seventy three strikeouts in just under seventy seven innings. Uh, he's just been absolutely ridiculous. He is arguably your best talent in your pitching staff right now. And I agree with you 100%. This is the guy that you need on the mound in a game like this. In a game that, obviously, the series goes on if they were to lose this game. But like Ben McDonald said, 
It's do or die. You've got to win this game. Uh, and there's nobody else I'd rather have on the mound than Grayson Rodriguez in a game like that. Yeah, and remember a few weeks ago, it was just a few starts ago for Grayson Rodriguez, you had a tied American League East with yes. the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays, and you needed an unbelievable outing from Grayson Rodriguez, and that's exactly what he gave you. Eight shutout innings in, at that time, your most important game of the year, where it was either you have the tiebreaker against the Rays in the division, you are up a game and you're feeling really, really good, or you're all of a sudden have lost the lead in the AL East and things could kind of go off the rails. And Grayson Rodriguez went out and absolutely shoved against Tampa Bay. He does have two starts against Texas this year. One of them was his major league debut down in Texas, close to his hometown of Nacogdoches, Texas, facing Jacob deGrom where he looked pretty good. And then his second start of the year against Texas was one of the starts that made you go, okay, this guy needs a little bit of time in Norfolk, which is exactly what he got. I'm not paying attention to that ERA against Texas on the season. It was pre-midseason Norfolk stint Grayson Rodriguez, and those numbers don't count in my brain. Yeah, they don't. They, they, they don't matter. Like You shouldn't be... If you're trying to evaluate Rodriguez's year... There's really no point in looking at what the first half of the season before that stint in Norfolk, what he did. Yeah, who cares? Um, really, you got to look at that second stint. And in that second stint, his opposing batting average was 227, opposing OPS 590. And in that time, only allowed more than three earned runs once. And it was his first start back. Really good. That's pretty wild. Yep. Like, that's a very, very good thing. Uh, so. Rodriguez is is definitely the guy who should have the ball in his hand right now. Rodriguez built for this, as is Jordan Montgomery on the other side, yeah. who came out against the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card series and goes seven innings no earned in that game one start. Pitches a lot like John Means. He has absolute command of the zone. Jordan Montgomery's a really good pitcher, and this is going to be a challenge for the Orioles today. Yeah, I mean, 11 starts... Uh, 12, if you count that raise start, he's been really, really good for Texas. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's really no other way to put it than that the Orioles are seeing an ace. This guy is really, really talented. The only thing they do have going for them is that it's another lefty, and yep. their lineup is built to hit lefties. So that's something you're going to be looking towards guys like Mountcastle and Adley once again uh, to get the right side of the bats going. But um, Montgomery's not an easy cha an easy challenge. I mean, he, he's a very, very good pitcher uh, who has pitched for a long time in the majors now uh, and has pitched in big spots like he did in that wild card game and, and shoved. So Montgomery, he's, he's no easy feat. Yeah, let's talk about the lineup. Starting with the Orioles, I don't really think you change it much today. Yeah. Again, good process yesterday. Just didn't Maybe, get the results hitting-wise. Yeah, Arias got a hit, so I doubt you'll lose him. Um, but maybe they throw in Mateo, but yeah. I, don't, I don't really think there's going to be a huge difference. Maybe they swap out Hicks to get another bat out there. Maybe they put Santander in left. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but it's probably not going to be so different. Yeah, I mean, I, right, not left. I think really the only change from yesterday's lineup that we could potentially see is maybe Gunnar Henderson gets bumped down in the lineup a little bit as a lefty going against the lefty Jordan Montgomery. 
I don't think Cedric Mullins sits. He is way too valuable defensively in center field. I know Cedric Mullins has struggled against lefties this year. Yeah. Ryan McKenna is not on the ALDS roster. So it's not like you would start Ryan McKenna as a right-handed hitter. And you're not putting Kerstad out there. No, it's it's the same thing. It's a lefty-lefty matchup. So Cedric Mullins is staying in the lineup. Again, I think the only change that you could see is maybe having Jorge Mateo in there instead of Ramon Arias, but... That's a bit of a smaller change where Gunnar Henderson goes over to third, Mateo at short with, you know, if it's the lineup from yesterday, then it's Rias at third with Gunnar at short. I think those are probably the only changes you see today. And honestly, I I think the biggest change that you probably see lineup-wise today is that Jordan Montgomery is more than likely going to go much longer than Andrew Heaney went yesterday. So I think Jordan Westberg probably gets more than one A-B. Huge for him. Yeah, I, that's probably <laughs> the biggest lineup change you are going to see yeah. is that Jordan Westberg will just get some more run in this game more than likely if, jo- if Jordan Montgomery goes deeper into this game. Yep, um, but if you jump on Montgomery and you can chase him out of the game around the fifth inning, you're not going to have to see Dane Dunning, Dunning come out of that bullpen and you're going to get a shot at more arms. So that's yeah. something that could potentially be huge for this team because as we said many times now, the Rangers bullpen is not good. So not the good. Orioles should jump right all over it. Rangers lineup, I doubt you see many things switching up. I mean, you're 3-0 and in the playoffs so far, so if the lineup's working, I guess the lineup is working. They did only score three runs yesterday. Maybe you see Evan Carter go up in the lineup. I think he was hitting sixth yesterday, sixth or seventh. Maybe he goes up to that three spot where Robbie Grossman has been. Other than that, I think the Rangers lineup is going to be the same thing. You faced a right-hander yesterday, faced a right-hander today in Grayson Rodriguez. Probably going to be the same sort of thing. Let's talk keys to the game. My first key to the game is the same as it was yesterday, which is that the middle of the lineup needs to make the Rangers pay for throwing another left-handed pitcher. You saw Andrew Heaney yesterday. You're going with Jordan Montgomery today. Anthony Santander went two for three with a homer yesterday. Of course, his one out was that really tough double play. Hayes, Rutschman, Mountcastle combined one for 10 yesterday. I don't think that's going to continue. So I am looking for the middle of the lineup to bounce back against a lefty today. If you're going to face a left-handed starting pitcher, we know that that hurts guys like Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins down at the bottom of this Orioles lineup. So you're going to need big contributions from your guys that are lefty killers. Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander, they've all been excellent this year. I'm looking for them to bounce back in a big way after struggling a little bit yesterday. Yeah, to a similar vein as you, my key for this one is take advantage of the opportunities you have early. If if you have guys on in scoring position early in this game, you've got to get them in. The Orioles have had a hard time scoring early over the last few weeks. You've got to get runs in early, and obviously that's not going to be a simple thing to do, especially in a game where you're facing uh, an ace. But you've got to be able to do that. And if you can, and you can chase Montgomery out of that game relatively early on, it's going to be a lot easier for you to close this one out. Um, so you've got to take advantage of the guys you have on early in the game. Yeah, Kevin on YouTube saying, Adley, big game today. I agree. I think we could see a big game from Adley Rutschman today. Hope you do. Again, because that middle of the lineup needs to have a bounce back from yesterday. On the pitching side of things, just, just do it again. Yes. If you hold the Rangers to three runs again today, I think you win this baseball game. You would love, love to see Grayson Rodriguez go a little bit deeper into this game than you saw Kyle Bradish go yesterday, but Kyle Bradish kept the Orioles firmly in that game. That's what you're looking for from Grayson Rodriguez today. 
You did have to use five bullpen arms. So if Grayson can give you a little bit of length today, it'd be awesome. We didn't see Brian Baker, Jack Flaherty, Yanir Cano yesterday. You also didn't see Dean Kramer or Kyle Gibson, who we don't know who the game three starter is going to be yet at this point. I think we would probably both venture a guess that it would be Dean Kramer. I don't know, man. At game four, uh, I suppose the question being, we don't know if Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson would be available out of the bullpen today if you need them to be to throw a couple of innings. Our guess at this point with John Means not on the ALDS roster is that Dean Kramer and Kyle Gibson are probably throwing game three and game four. Yes. So I don't think those two guys are available out of the bullpen, which means fresh arms-wise, you're looking at Brian Baker, Jack Flaherty, and Yanir Cano. Not to say that there won't be guys pitching back-to-back days. It's the playoffs. They're going to pitch back-to-back days. The only guy who's probably not available out of the bullpen, I would say, is D.L. Hall. Pitched, what, an inning and two-thirds yesterday? Grayson Rodriguez, if he can give you some length and keep you in this game, just like Kyle Bradish did yesterday, the pitching just needs to keep rolling. They were good. 100%. And that goes for the bullpen as well. They were fantastic. They were awesome. Another key that I'm looking for, I've, I've got four today, Bones, four keys to the games. I added, I added another one. Is there going to be a spark plug somewhere down at the bottom I of the lineup? I had that too. I had that too. Look at us in our keys I to the game. I had that too. The Orioles six through nine hitters yesterday combined for one hit on the day, which puts more pressure on the top of the lineup than is already there. I've already been putting pressure on the top of the lineup. I said the middle of the, the lineup really needs to contribute. Ryan Mountcastle, Adley Rutschman. We know those guys need to hit. But is there going to be a spark plug somewhere down at the bottom of the lineup that is going to be able to turn this thing over and help string some hits together? Because yesterday we saw maybe the top of the lineup would get it going a little bit. Things would falter. I'm looking at Gunnar Henderson, at Cedric Mullins. I know they're moved down in the lineup against a left-handed pitcher. Can they be spark plugs today to try to string some stuff together, get it back to the top of the lineup? String some hits together, keep it rolling. World Series winning teams oftentimes win because of a guy they didn't expect to contribute. Absolutely. That ends up contributing a ton. Think about Steve Pierce in 2018 winning that World Series MVP. Nobody thought he was going to turn into Babe Ruth, but he did. Orioles 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 fans knew that Steve Steve Pierce Pierce would turn into Babe Ruth. Um, But, you know, how about a guy like Edgar Renteria winning World Series MVP for the Giants? Sure. Those are the kinds of guys who oftentimes make huge differences. So if the Orioles can get production from one of their uh, lower lineup guys, it changes the game. If you don't have to rely on the heart of the order every single time thinking, all right, we're through the sixth batter. I don't know if they're going to have a chance to score a run here. You're just It's going to be way more difficult to win games. If you can get some production out of those lower lineup guys, it's huge. We know Aaron Hicks can draw some walks. Jordan Westberg, what can you do as a righty-lefty matchup there? I think Jordan Westberg could be one of those spark plugs down at the bottom of the lineup. My final key today, again, this is just kind of a, a response to what we were seeing on Twitter fans in general yesterday. Trust the process. In game one, I really do believe it was good process and the results just weren't there. This team won 101 games. Brandon Hyde is probably going to win manager of the year. He should win manager of the year. I'm not questioning the moves that Brandon Hyde is making at this point. He got this team to the one seed in the American League. He doesn't tend to get a lot of the credit from fans for the Orioles winning games, but the players give Brandon Hyde 
a ton of credit day in and day out. We heard about it yesterday. The players saying that Brandon Hyde always puts us in a position to win games. Everybody is bought in. We understand that there's going to be early substitutions. You're going to get pinch hit for there. Maybe will be some early bullpen moves. Brandon Hyde is going to use the depth of this team and use it well. The players are bought in to that process. And I'm going to continue to buy into that process. The Orioles have excellent depth. There were early substitutions yesterday, but they were good substitutions. It was good process. I'm continuing to trust that process today, and I hope Brandon Hyde doesn't go away from it. Yeah, I think you're right on the nose there. Um, It's what's gotten them here. They've got to trust it, and they've got to keep going. Um, because they have all the pieces to get the wins and get the job done. It's just about guys performing and what everything that comes down to baseball is just things going their way a lot of the time. So um, I think they have the players, they have the pieces, they have the talent. It's just they got to put it together today. And I think they're going to be locked in today. I mean, we saw from the post-game press conferences yesterday, hearing from guys like Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Not exactly happy campers after game one. Good, Yeah, I I think the Orioles are going to be locked in today. It is going to be another raucous crowd at Camden Yards. We hope to see you here making a lot of noise. This is a must-win game. The Orioles can't afford to go to Texas down 0-2. Even up this series, get it to Texas, and and this is a whole new ALDS. Here's my prediction. I bet you we get a great Grayson Rodriguez gif. Oh, we do. Game. We absolutely do. That's uh, Grayson Rodriguez fired up. <laughs> Man, a fired up Grayson Rodriguez today might throw 103, his first yeah. pitch of the game. No, I, I agree. We, well, Bradish got up to 97 yesterday. Bradish was Which cooking. I don't think we've ever seen. Yeah. So imagine what Grayson's going to do with that. Whew. I it, like it. It's going to be gas today from Grayson Rodriguez. Feeling confident. Feeling good. Orioles looking to bounce back today in game two of the ALDS starting at 4 o'clock. Remember, we've got an hour-long O's Extra pregame leading up to that game, so make sure you tune into O's Extra pregame on Masson starting at 3 o'clock. Make sure you tune into the Bird's Nest. If you weren't following along with us live on Facebook and YouTube today, you can catch us after the fact on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or your digital shows, you can find us on the Bird's Nest. We are going to be back. For every Orioles postseason game, we will be live before game three. Hopefully, we're seeing a nice Orioles win today, and we'll be talking about a 1-1 even series then. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brandon Mortensen. Go O's.